Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know, this narrative about gentrification happens over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I know a few of us that are flipping. I don't know anybody that's really trying to get into the development game and, and you know, kind of change the narrative so we have some control over that. So 2013, that's when I decided to kind of get off into that. So were you buying land in 2013? Was that the next step? I didn't know what I was going to buy. I just knew what I was going to do was stop flipping and try to figure it out. Okay. So I just started talking about it. And, man, it came full circle. That same... My same line brother that um, helped me get into the game, he had an old tenant reach out to him that used to be in one of the properties and say, hey, I'm over here in Fifth Ward, and the landlord over here isn't taking care of the property. I think he's on drugs. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, what he heard was opportunity. So he reached out to me, and he's like, man, I think we got an opportunity to go pick up a few houses over here. So I went to go meet with the guy, ended up being a whole block. Mm -hmm. Got a grocery store on it. How much was that? Um, okay. True story. At the time, this was in the hood. It wasn't worth nothing. It was probably worth three hundred thousand. The whole block, the whole block, the everything, entire block. Everything was kind of run down. <laughs> but it's in the area where you tell somebody I'm about to go spend three hundred thousand. They're like, man, are you crazy? Right. It's the hood. You know? It's the hood. Yeah. yeah. yeah nothing but drugs and prostitution over there. You're gonna waste your money. You know. Um. So what I ended up doing to talk him into doing the deal, I offered him four hundred thousand for it. So, but of course, I didn't have the cash to pay four hundred thousand. So he actually had inherited the property from his dad. His dad was like a real estate tycoon. Had like 26 blocks over there. Mm. 26 blocks. 26 blocks. Whoa. 26 blocks. And this block happened to be the one that they gave this this uh, this kid. And he was like the the horrible kid. You know what I mean? 
He botched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this was the one he had, and he still wasn't taking care of it. So I offered him an owner finance scenario where I was like, I'll give you 10% now. What's owner finance? So that's when the, the instead of you instead of going to the bank, the owner that actually doesn't have any debt on the property will let you make payments over time to buy the property from him. Mm. So I, I gave him 10% of what we agreed to, the 400000 so $40,000, which came from me selling one of my rental properties. And then, uh, then that allowed me now to control that whole block of property. And it had the grocery store on it, and it had the houses, but everything was really run down. So instead of fixing it up, what I decided to do was do um, parolee housing for felons mm. because it's really hard for them to find anywhere to live. Mm-hmm. So I would rent them out a single room in, in each one of the houses, charge them three fifty a month. It was something that they could afford because of the type of jobs they could get. You know, they, they didn't have much income. Or was that could, like a halfway house? Pretty much like a halfway house. Okay. Yeah, it's just, they call them SRO houses. And then, yeah. so the, the state pays you that, right? Sometimes, some, sometimes if it depends on what, what program they're in, they get some type of housing assistance. But most of the time, no, they had to go get a job. Okay. So that's what made it really good because you talk about a low a low risk tenant. You got somebody that's happy to be out of prison. They was in prison for a nonviolent offense. I didn't do violent people. Um, they had to keep a job and they had to keep somewhere to stay. And ninety nine percent of the places wouldn't even allow them to live there. So they were like they were like built in good uh, high high revenue for me. You know what I mean? As as collectively in each house, whereas I could have rented that whole house for five hundred dollars to a regular family. Now I'm making eleven, twelve hundred dollars off that same house. You know, with this program, Cause and because you, you were renting the rooms, renting them individual rooms, okay. and most of them had trades. So they were like carpenters, electricians, plumbers. They all learned their trades in prison. Yeah. So anything went wrong, I just drop off materials. They would fix it. <laughs> oh you wow! Know what I mean? The wind is built in, <laughs> and, and they were just happy to have somewhere to live. You know. Yeah. So yeah, so that worked out. That was a win-win, man. Um, and then that was 2013, 14, 15. I did that in 2016. Redevelopment kind of started in the area that I was in. Something else that I, I always watched too, even when I was flipping, is what the city's plans were. And you can go to the, the, the planning department's website and it'll tell you what they're planning to do five years, 10, 10 years down the road. And that's a lot of the game that we don't pay attention to. Mm. But you know, the other groups pay attention to that. Where can you find that information at? Usually you can just Google it, like 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 planning and development department or, or urban planning for whatever city you're in, and it'll pull up on their website. You know, it's usually a .gov type website, um, and it'll have their, all their information. A lot of it's talked about at city council meetings, so you can look up city council meeting minutes, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you about anything big, any developer that's proposing to do something in a certain area. All that has to be public publicly announced. So, but what I what I noticed about Houston was that everything was going counterclockwise around downtown. And the, na- the fifth one neighborhood that I was buying in was the last quadrant. So I knew eventually it was gonna come. I just didn't know when, you know? And so, yeah, so that's how I got into it. And um, 2016, another guy started building, so then I figured it was time for me to try to figure out how to get it done. So what is your, all right, so what's your philosophy on gentrification? What's your, what's your how do you feel about that? So gentrification has a very negative connotation in our community because we are never the ones revitalizing that neighborhood mm-hmm. and what happens is the people that are revitalizing are looking out for themselves or their own groups it's not that they don't care about us is that they have their own personal agendas that they're, that, they're, right. that they're moving forward and so we can either continue to watch it happen or we can participate right and we can participate in a way that we kind of control the narrative of what's being built who it's being built for and what happens to the surrounding community that we're building in 
right? So my goal with my project was, you know, most of the time when you hear about black builders um, in black neighborhoods, it's low income stuff. And I feel like that's great. Like we do need to look out for the low income people, mm-hmm. but we gotta attract the people that were successful, the people that made it out those neighborhoods and back to those neighborhoods because we need that income. We need that demographic if we ever want a grocery store to come back. We can't sit and depend on the government to do that. Mm-hmm. And right now what happens is the people that are successful, they go and buy houses in the suburbs, right? It's not because they don't want to move back. It's because they have no options. Mm-hmm. So my focus was, well, let me start building some some market rate stuff, not low-income housing stuff, but try to attract these working professionals back to the neighborhoods with a high-quality product that they, you know, they're going to pay the same price they're paying in the suburbs. And in the city, your value is going to appreciate a whole lot more, especially when that neighborhood starts to revitalize. And that's kind of what you've done with, you know, the land that you bought in 2013. Right. Which is your, the most recent development that you worked on. It's a mm-hmm. 14, um, is it 14? Yeah, 14 units. 14 yeah. units. 14 individual townhouses. Townhouses, yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about that, how, how that came about? Yeah, so, that, so this is the same property that I bought with the grocery store and everything. Okay. So 2016, I decided to just tear everything down. Uh-huh. When I saw, there was another developer that was building houses deep in the neighborhood, and he was selling them for 250 before they were complete. He wasn't even listing them on MLS. Hmm. So I'm like, so that tells me that there's a mindset, there's enough people out there that are willing to save $100,000 because everything else inside the city loop, was like inside 16 loop, was two, 350 or more. So, but people would, rather save that money and live in a neighborhood that was still pretty rough so i was like well if he can do this deep in the neighborhood i'm right on the feeder to the highway you know i got a view of downtown i should be able to do something with my property too and so that's when i I decided i'm gonna move forward with this initiative try to build these townhouses and um it took a lot of work it took me building the right team because i had no idea what i was doing goes back to what you're talking about earlier with the consultant i had to find the right team the right i had to find a builder that had enough experience that was willing to kind of uh, lend his knowledge and, and time to me, of course, for a fee, you know, had to pay him to be my consultant, basically teach me how to do the first project. Um, but that's what I did. So what's, the, what's, what's your, your plans now as far as how many projects are you, are you working on? Like what's your, what's your vision look like for the next five years? Next five years, I want to finish this project, which will probably be finished next year. And I want to continue to build uh, the same model in the same neighborhood. Um, I, I kind of want to make this like, a real world example that can be duplicated in other cities. Like we can go in, we can buy the land. And I didn't mention my entire team is from the community too. Right. So like my, my, my builders, my real estate brokers, my insurance brokers, um, everybody. The contractors as well? Contractors as well, yeah, yeah. I'm working with a black builder. So, and it's, it's not just anybody, it's people that got good reputations, but we kind of always silo ourselves and we never really collectively work together on stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, and, and the goal, and the most important part of all of this, whether you flipping, another industry a lot of people in this wholesaling or building new construction is ensuring that you put the product in front of the right end buyer because if you're flipping you call yourself buying a block but if you're not watching who you're selling to on the back end right. you're still gentrifying the neighborhood yeah so my, my goal is really to educate us on like, like i said the working professional on why it's better for you to buy over here yeah. so i'm building the first three now got uh contracts on two of them both of them are young young black professionals basically oil and gas professionals that's townhouses right townhouses yeah Uh, i got a a dentist a a black dentist from from dallas that's looking at buying one you know so it's it's all about making sure that we 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 create that model because right now that gentrification narrative is the only thing that's 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 real mm-hmm. and for our people we do better when we see examples of something that's actually working and so when when, when this is complete i want to make sure that this model gets as much exposure as possible it's not about me making all the money i want people in other cities to do the same thing 
you know, to say it's possible. We really can't do this, and this is the example. How do you evaluate like what area you want? to I know you say you look at the, like the city plans, mm-hmm. but do you have like a set formula, or is it just kind of like you just know the area and you just kind of have a good feeling? Because you can buy in some bad neighborhoods and they don't get better, right? right? So it's like, I mean, how do you know like this is this is probably going to get better? Uh, it, it's, it's all about your network because you got to be talking to people in the industry. So the, a lot of the, the the realtors that I work with, they work with builders, and you know. You gotta have a network of commercial realtors around you too, because they know where the commercial developers are looking at, what areas they're looking at. So it's a lot of it's word of mouth in addition to what you see on the city plans, you know. Um, but yeah, you 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 gotta have your foot in the door. You gotta be on the inside, understanding where they're moving, and that and you just kind of ride that wave along with them. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.